0: Hi. Hi, good morning everyone, good morning. Um, thank you Pastor Mo, for having me, um, so I'm a bit shy <laughs> um, uh, and I have a few slides with me. I like to have order when I'm, when I'm talking, so bear with my geeky slides. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm here to talk about closing the funding gap for female entrepreneurs. Um, I run Arua Capital Management. Uh, we are one of the few gender lens funds investing in Nigeria. Um, and what essentially means is we invest in businesses that are female founded or led by women, or we invest in businesses that are either providing essential goods or services to improve the lives of women. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about my journey um, to getting to this stage. Um, and then I'll go into um, how I think is, you know, is one of the ways that we can bridge and close the funding gap for female entrepreneurs. Um, so I started my journey uh, about 14 years ago. Uh, born here in Lagos, but I moved to England for boarding school uh, and did the first part of my investment banking career in London. Um, and I was at the, I, there, there. came a few points, I would say, points of inflection in my life. The first one was before I went to university. We went on this uh, career day, so we go on this career day to Goldman Sachs, and I saw this woman in the you know speaking, this Indian woman speaking, and I've never been so fascinated before in my life. I was like, wow, look at this building, look at these people. I wanna, I wanna work in a place like this. So Goldman Sachs was my, I must die here. <laughs> I must enter Goldman Sachs. So anyway, I do my first year internship at Lehman Brothers. I'm like, okay, I'll do this how I'm going to enter. They rarely give internships in the first year in university, but I was very persistent. And I think that's one of the traits <laughs> that has got to be here. Um, but in my second year of university, I applied. I was like, okay, this is my chance to enter Goldman. Um, And I got rejected and I was like, wow, everything that I've been planning since A-levels, I haven't gotten into Goldman Sachs. I remember crying into my now husband's arms, like, oh my gosh, Goldman, Goldman. But anyway, I didn't know that then, that that rejection then um, is what has led me to where I am. But anyway, cut the long story short, third year, I go into JP Morgan. Um, and then it's, my dad wants me to do a master's, but thankfully, thank God, I got the job at JP Morgan. Um, and I'm like, daddy, I'm not doing master's, I already have a job waiting for me, what am I doing master's for? I'm not doing master's. So my year out, I worked in a private equity fund that invests in Africa. So that was another inflection point where I spent about eight months or so working with this fund and seeing... What the impact of private equity is having in Africa, where businesses that are very, very viable can get growth capital, and you can not only make money but also have significant social impact. You know the jobs that we were able to create, the essential, you know, this company was a local manufacturer of anti-malaria drugs and antiretroviral drugs. We now started exporting it to other countries. So I was like, wow! So you can do this where. We make money and we can also impact people's lives, that's amazing. So I went back to J.P. Morgan, um, but I always had at the back of my mind that I want to do something like this back in Nigeria, I just didn't know how yet. Um, so sitting at my desk at J.P. Morgan, I get headhunted by a private equity fund, a European private equity fund, and it was in 2014. and. Everyone was like, "Why are you leaving J.P. Morgan? You know, you're you're doing well. You've spent four there, four years there. You can just continue, and you know, you keep on making money, and you know, you're in a big global organization." But anyway, I, I felt that God wanted me to do something a bit new, so I moved to nine. You know, this company is a European fund, never done anything in Africa, and I was the person that they had headhunted to help them set up their African operations. So that was the first point where I believe God was calling me to do something. Um, because I was 24 years old. And they're like, well, you know, why are you following this company to Nigeria? Just stay in J.P. Morgan. But anyway, I, I, I jumped at the opportunity and I was essentially helping them build up their African business. But this European fund obviously had, you know, they had about $300 million under management. So they had, they had an experienced investor. So anyway, I did that for five years. And then I just, I kept on getting this, I was, I was a bit restless. I was like, I'm doing, I'm here in Nigeria, building this business, but I don't have any ownership in the business. This doesn't make any sense. So I look around in the industry, and this is when I really started to do my research. I looked around in the industry, and there were a lot of women that were placed in private equity funds as figureheads, but no women that were actually running and owning their own funds. And at that stage, so this was, I was 28 at this point, and I felt God saying to me that, go and set up your own private equity fund. And I'm like, "Uh -uh. I'm 28 years old. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I, I obeyed and I said, okay. So I bought that fund. I put my JP Morgan bonuses together. Um, emptied my bank account, sold my investments, public and private, um, and I bought that fund and I renamed it to Aurora Capital in 2019, whilst I was six months pregnant. Um, And I think that for, why am I saying all this? I think that there are certain points in your life where you have to trust God Um, And you have to really believe that, I think Ian said it earlier, that whatever God purposes for you is good. So trusting him in the difficult times, you know, that five years when I was with Syntaxis, we were fundraising for a fund, so many doors shut in my face. Um, With Arua, thank God things are better now, but still it's had its challenges. Um, So I'm saying all this to just say that the biggest thing that as women and men we need is persistence um, and, the, and the belief that God is, can be trusted to keep his promises. Um, so that's a very big intro, but um, <laughs> if I go into my slides. Um, so what do we do at Aurora Capital Management, just to set the scene? Um, so female-founded and led Growth Equity and Gender Lens Fund uh, we've been around for the last six years. We're investing in essential goods and services, so healthcare, fintech, consumer goods, renewable energy, things that we believe that people will need access to for the next 30 to 50 years, regardless of macroeconomic situation, regardless of political stability. You're going to need healthcare. You're going to need financial services. You're going to need access to power. You're going to need food. Uh, so these are the things, some of the things that we're investing in. Um, we invest mainly in Nigeria, but we also invest in, in Ghana as well. Um, we can do about up to 20% in Ghana. Um, and a big thing of what I believe in is, this is an impact-driven organization. We're mission-driven. We want to invest in businesses that first are commercially viable, but also have the opportunity to scale and impact and provide jobs, provide employment. So that's a big thing um, of you know, what we're doing. What are our objectives? We're investing in only women impact businesses, so either for women or by women. And I see the men looking at me. So, so for, for women, for women can mean a man, a male owned business providing essential goods and services to women. So, our first investment is run by two men, but they locally manufacture baby diapers, baby wipes, sanitary pads. So men are not left out as long as your end product is improving the lives of women in some way. Okay, so that's what we're doing. So what is, if I just set the context, what is the state of play for female entrepreneurs in Africa? And I think it's good for women to know this so that you can just know what you're up against. So we have the highest rate of female entrepreneurship in Africa. One in four women are starting or managing a business. Uh, four times Europe. Okay, go the other side. Uh, but we make up 50% of the population, but we're only contributing less than 40% to GDP. Uh, and the reason for that is because we don't have the same access to capital. We don't have the same access to opportunity. So women, there's a $42 billion funding gap between male entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs in Africa. That statistic is by the African Development Bank. There is a 320 billion credit gap, so access to loans for women. That's by the International Finance Corporation. Um, If you've been following the VC scene, the venture capital scene, last year alone, startups in Africa raised about $4.3 billion. That's more than 2018, 19, 20 combined. But guess how much of that capital was raised by women? Less than 7%. And then when you drill down further into the numbers, for, for, for teams that are either single founded female teams, so a, a, a company that has a single female founder, that number is less than 1%. Less than 1%. So there is a huge, huge funding gap for female entrepreneurs on the continent, and, that, and over half of the deals on the continent have been done in Nigeria, so those statistics can translate to Nigeria as well. Uh, and if we stay this way, the World Economic Forum tells us that it will take us 257 years to close the gender economic gap between men and women. Whenever I hear that statistic, I always say, over my dead body. <laughs> But these are the challenges that we're facing. And one of the big reasons for that, uh, that I found in my research, is something called unconscious bias. And I'm sure you've, you, everybody break the bias. You know, we've been, we've been hearing the, um, the International Women's Day theme. But there, it's real. And I feel that female entrepreneurs should know about this. So Harvard Business Review found that the language that male entrepreneurs are described with compared to female entrepreneurs is very, very different. So this is in a, you know, this company is a company looking for venture capital funding and a male entrepreneur is described as young and promising. A female entrepreneur is described as young and inexperienced. Um, So these unconscious biases are real. London Business School also found that the line of questioning is very, very different if you're a female entrepreneur versus a male entrepreneur. A female entrepreneur is typically asked prevention questions. A male entrepreneur is asked promotion questions. And this can lead to six times less funding. So a female entrepreneur will be asked, how do you intend to not lose customers in the next five years? A male entrepreneur will be asked, how do you intend to grow your company in the next five years? So those subtle um, changes in language affect the opportunities that female entrepreneurs are getting, being given access to, and this is all research. It's you know it's 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 been it's been it's been proven. Um, and one of the correlations that I made when I started thinking about setting up Arua was, who is the person in the, who is making the investment decisions? Why do we see these gaps? Um, And what I found is that it's directly correlated to the fact that we don't have women writing the checks. We don't have women in the room when those investment decisions are being made. If a woman is in front of five men asking for a loan or asking for capital, there's a very different dynamic. Um, And the statistics show this. So since 2008, there's been over $30 billion raised for private equity. Less than 16 funds that are owned and... So so in in that whole ecosystem, there are only 16 funds that are led or owned by women that have successfully raised capital. Translates to about $4.3 billion. That $4.3 billion was raised in 2015 alone. That's what we've been able to raise in 13 years. So the gaps that we're seeing in society is because of that imbalance that we're seeing. But what you should know is when women are capital allocators, there is a very natural trickle down to their portfolio. So research has shown that female fund managers are two times more likely to invest in a startup with a, with a female founder and three times more likely to invest in a startup with a female CEO. What, what should, you should know this as a female entrepreneur. You should know these statistics because then you start to think who are you targeting when you're raising capital. And you should also know these statistics. Women represent a very untapped investment case. Um, I always say to my investors that gender-led investing is the last arbitrage opportunity left in private equity just because of the disparities. Um, there's, There's so much limited competition. As a woman, I can understand a product and service targeted to me much more than a man can. The fact that I'm looking for the best businesses, providing essential goods and services to women, I'm an end user, right? I'm investing in female entrepreneurs. I have a, ne- I have an ax- I have a network of female entrepreneurs that I can reach out to. But also, female entrepreneurs find me more approachable. They're willing to come, you know, I have, I have so many female entrepreneurs that they know that, that I wouldn't invest in their business, but they still come to me um, because it I, I doesn't just stop there. I can connect them to who can. Um, so having that competitive edge as a woman, I think, um, I think it, you know, it, puts, it puts us in a very, very good stead because of these disparities that I just mentioned where there's significantly less competition. So anyway, the, the, the untapped investment case. So just throwing some statistics out. You always like to use data. So, so, um, so if the gender gap is bridged, McKinsey estimate that there will be $28 trillion added to GDP. Uh, BCG tell us that women control about $15 trillion in global consumer spending we're making about 80% of consumer decisions. In your household, I'm sure you, can, you, can, you know that that's correct. Uh, McKinsey tell us that companies with top quartile gender diversity on their executive teams are 21% more likely to experience above average profitability. Um, IFC told us that gender balanced senior investment teams are generating 20% more return. Portfolio companies with gender diverse leadership are seeing valuations 20 to 30% higher. Uh, And teams with at least one female founder did 63% better than all male founder teams, even though they're raising less than 1% of the funding. So you can see that the data is now being proven that gender diversity is, is, is improving profitability, is reducing risk, it's enhancing returns. So as you're raising capital, know that, know that information that what you have is valuable, Uh, what you have is being sought out after. Uh, And I say that to, okay, I'll I'll come back to that. So, and when we think about investing in women, it's not just about a bottom line. So we talked about representing an untapped investment case, but in the world where we live in right now, where sustainable investing, impact investing is such a big focus of, of, you mentioned BlackRock, It's such a big focus of so many large asset managers at the moment. How is your business also impacting society? So what we say is, women invest in everyone else. When you invest in a woman, about 90% of her income is going into her children or her family. That's about 30% for men, sorry guys. (laughs) Um, so, 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 So what are you doing with your business that is also impacting society, impacting families, impacting communities. We're very, very intentional to make sure that the types of businesses that we're investing in are having impact in their communities as well. Um, And we think that women-led businesses and women in general um, are typically the ones that are typically giving back. So also make that a part of your pitch, if you will. And there's something now called gender lens investing. Uh, it's, it's only really just caught traction since 2017. But gender lens investing is investing with an intention to empower women in some way. And it can be in different forms. Because people hear gender lens investing, and I think a misconception is uh, gender, you're only investing in women-owned businesses. Not necessarily. Um, you can be investing for a purpose of women in leadership, so companies that are typically that typically have women in as senior in senior management, you can be investing for women in finance. So investing in funds like Arua, where you have women in private equity. Uh, you can be investing in products and services that improve the lives of women. So in our portfolio, we have a business that locally manufactures sanitary pads. We have a business that provides uh, credit assessment for banks and fintechs that are typically targeted to women. Uh, we have a business that's exporting hibiscus outside of Nigeria. 90% of their workforce are women. So you can you can invest with a gender lens and not necessarily only invest in women-owned businesses. So guys, don't feel left out. But you can see the trajectory of the industry. Uh, it was only $1.1 billion in 2017. That increased to $4.8 billion in 2019. And as at 2021, that number is now 6.1 billion. So the, the attention of looking for businesses that are owned by women, businesses that are uh, you know, impacting women in some way is increasing every day. Um, and there are a lot of initiatives now that are targeted at women's empowerment globally. Um, so there's something called the 2X challenge. Um, the G7 countries came together and they decided that women can no longer be ignored. Um, and they are mobilizing about $15 billion by the end of this year to initiatives that promote women's economic empowerment. So it's about eight of the development finance institutions, Proparco, um, you know, IFC, North Fund, DEG um, are very, very eager to support women-owned businesses in Nigeria. So I feel these are, the, these are the sorts of initiatives that we should know about. Um, in addition, we have um, the EIB, so these are some specific initiatives. We have the EIB that wants to mobilize 1 billion euros for women across Africa, the European Investment Bank. We have AFAUA, the African Development Bank, that wants to unlock 5 billion over the next five years for women. We have launched with GS, Goldman Sachs. They want to mobilize about 500, (laughs) yes, Uh, uh, 500 million to women-led companies. Uh, We have Standard Bank that have launched the African Women's Leadership Fund, and we also have IFC's Wi-Fi program. So these are things that I feel that everyone should be familiar with, should know about, so that you're not missing out on opportunities that are really targeted specifically at women, at female entrepreneurs on the continent. Um, and then you should also know the VC and PE funds that are out there that are targeting women or you know are women friendly. <laughs> um, so Ease Fund, Future Africa is on that list. You can see it there. He's, he's backed a lot of female entrepreneurs. You have the angel investing group called Rising Tide Africa which is one of the largest female angel investing networks on the continent, I'm a member. Um, And we invest in businesses that are very, very early stage. They just wanna fund their idea, but it has to have some element of technology within it. Uh, You have First Check Africa. They're doing pre-seed and seed as well. So very, very early stage, targeted specifically at female entrepreneurs. You have Attica Ventures, again, very early stage, targeted at female entrepreneurs, you have lend her capital they just actually recently announced an initiative where they are lending between I think ten to fifty thousand dollars to female owned businesses. Um, so you know I think being equipped and knowing who is in the ecosystem that is actually targeting and seeking out female entrepreneurs so I've spoken about kind of the gen- uh, the venture capital early stage. And then you also have the growth equity businesses um, that are targeting businesses that are a little bit more mature. So if you've proven out the business model already, you already have traction, you have existing demand, you have customers, and you just want to unlock that next stage of growth, there are funds there as well, like Arua, Alicia, TLCom, others, that would be willing to speak to you. Um, So, Yes, it's challenging. Yes, it's a steep hill to climb as a female entrepreneur. Uh, but I wanted to also give some tips. Um, so I think leverage your networks. Um, you never know things. Things like this, you never know who you could be sitting next to. Uh, I always say, don't be shy to introduce yourself. Uh, but also leverage your existing networks and just tell people. Be, be very vocal about what you're doing. Tell people what you're up to. Um, Never stop mastering your craft, always learning, training, acquiring knowledge, Um, being visible. I think as women, sometimes we struggle with this one, Um, but being visible, whether on LinkedIn, whether on Instagram, because I think we mentioned it, (laughs) Um, no one will seek you out if they don't know what you're doing. Um, So I think that's always something that I, I, because as women, sometimes we're a bit shy, so always be visible, um, and this is a big one. I think know, knowing your why, uh, I think for me, that's what's taken me through the last six years uh, that, that have at times been sometimes very challenging, is know your why, know your purpose, uh, and make sure that your purpose is, it goes beyond you. Because I feel that if my purpose was just about me, I would have quit a long time ago. (laughs) Um, So always make sure that your purpose is impacting others um, as well. Um, And then as a female entrepreneur, just some kind of more practical tips. As you're building your business, and as a male entrepreneur, as you're building your business, think early about your governance structure. Think about your advisory board. Think about your board of directors. Think about, okay, who's in my management team? How are we making decisions? Because I think if we start that early, when you come and meet people like us that are investing later, um, we look at that and value that, um, that you started you know, your company the way you should go. Uh, and financial reporting discipline. Keep your books in order um, and start that early because when you start raising bigger, bigger money, Um, They require audited accounts. They require your management accounts. So that financial reporting discipline, I always say to to women that that's something that we should start early. Um, Know your market, know your competition. Be able to articulate your barrier to entry. So for me, that's something, you know, you have to have a unique proprietary, you know, something. (laughs) So there has to be a USP, and if you're able to, articulate that well, then you're more likely to get funding. And then know your gender lens funds. So I, I, I put some of those names up there. Do the research on them. See the types of invest, the businesses they've invested in, in the past. Know the types of sectors that they like. Um, because as investors, we, we tend to have favorites. So, and you can tep- typically see that trend when you study someone's portfolio. Um, so know what they like, know what they're investing in. Uh, And then the last one, which as as female entrepreneurs, I believe we need, because it's very, very tough out there, um, is a trust in God. Um, And I wanted to share three scriptures that have really helped me over the last six years. um, Because, so right now, uh, we're at a very good place, uh, by, you know, thank, thank, thank God, where we've now successfully raised our fund, uh, and we're actually now going to surpass our target. Um, but before getting there, it took me six years, and there were so many points in that journey where I was like, this is too hard. This is too hard, I can't do this. Um, at, when I launched Arua, my partner at the time, who I thought was my co-founding partner, he just handed me his resignation notice over a table we had printed business cards, co-founder, and he just handed me his resignation notice. I was six months pregnant. I was like, God, I just quit this job. <laughs> you said I should buy the business. I've bought the business. Now, the person that is supposed to help me while I deliver this baby is quitting. How far? So there's been a lot of difficult points, but, um, but I think that trust in God is... Um, is very, very key to help you overcome them. So these are three scriptures that I remember, you know, I'm I'm a visual person, so I printed some of these and I put them on my wall so that every time I wake up, it's the first thing I see. Um, And sometimes I think you need that because the battle is in the mind. And I think as you train your mind, um, you're able to overcome a lot. So this is the first one. Um, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own internal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. So that's First Peter 5.10, the Amplified Version. Um, so this scripture has really helped me in a lot of situations. Um, so please write it down, if you're a female entrepreneur. <laughs> Um, that's the first one Um, and then the second one that I really like is from Romans so Romans 5 2 to 4 the New Living um, Translation Uh, and it says because of our faith Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Um, So this one also helped me a lot, because we will run into trials, we will run into difficult moments, we will run into rejection, no's, but I think it's part of the process, uh, and you have to trust God in the process. Um, So persistence, I think, is something that will help us as female entrepreneurs. Uh, And then the last one, which I also like, um, is from Hebrews, Hebrews 10.23. And it says, so let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keeps us going. He always keeps his word. There's another version that says, God can be trusted to keep his promise. And let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on. Um, So I think that as female entrepreneurs and as entrepreneurs generally, um, just believing that God is a God of integrity um, his word is backed up by the integrity and honor of his name. And he will be trusted to keep his promise. So if he's giving you a dream, if he's giving you a vision, despite the, the setbacks, despite the rejection, despite, despite the disappointments, just keep going, knowing that he will come through. Uh, it might take six years. It might take one year. Um, but just know that he can be trusted to keep his promises. So thank you. That's my... That's my presentation.